0: Welcome to Mount Olive First Pentecostal Holiness Church. Thank you for connecting with us. Our desire at MOFPHC is for you and your family to find hope in Jesus Christ so that he will transform your life. Thanks again for connecting with us. Please contact us if we can help you discover God's purpose for your life. Enjoy the message. It's so great to be with you all. Thank you, Pastor Jeff, and thank you to Pastor Kevin and Amy and uh, to the family, Camden and the crew and everybody who's up there. We're just so honored to be back with you. Uh, This was supposed to happen about 365 days ago. And we were going to be here with you all. and as you know, things didn't go the way we had pl- any of us had ever planned for them to go. And so we're just so excited to finally get to uh, follow through and be here back in Mount Olive, our capital or home of Mount Olive Pickles, the pickle capital of the world. This is a great place to be any day of the week, but particularly on a Sunday. To be here with you all. So we're just glad to be here and uh, excited about the opportunity. I do want to tell you, for those of you who are in high school, we're excited to be here to represent Emmanuel College. Uh, As Pastor Jeff has mentioned, that is where we come from, and uh, that's where I serve and direct the ministry teams and some other things there at the college. If you're in a position where you're considering what God might be calling you to do in your future, I just want to encourage you to consider consider Emmanuel College because I can't emphasize to you enough just what a powerful work I believe God is doing on our campus and in the lives of our students. And I can't think of any mama or daddy or grandparent or aunt or uncle or cousin or neighbor who wouldn't want for their children The opportunity to be educated in an environment that teaches from a Christian worldview where they can room with people who actually believe in Jesus and who will uh, spur them on in their faith. I don't know about you, but I love to see that happening with our team, our students, the way that they challenge one another and hold one another accountable and help each other and pray for one another and love one another. That's happening on our campus with our students. And so uh, I think these students that you've seen here this morning represent some of the very best of Emmanuel College. And so would you just give them another hand for their ministry this morning? We give God the praise for it. There's nothing I'd rather do than uh, than get on a van and ride six hours with these students. <laughs> and I say that jokingly and sincerely at the same time because um, I-, I told... Pastor Jeff, before the service today that I've been in Texas for the last couple of days, had the opportunity to speak at a Bible college there over the last several nights, and it was awesome. I just loved being there and uh, was just right outside of Dallas in a little suburb of Dallas, and I mean, that's a lot different than Franklin Springs, Georgia, let me tell you that right now, but I don't care where I am in the world, sitting there, going to bed each night. There in Texas, I thought, man, I just can't wait to get back to my people. I love these students and I love what God is doing. And so if you're in high school and you're thinking about going on to college to uh, to study so that you can earn a four year degree and whatever field we have a lot to offer and I would just encourage you to go to ec.edu to get more information. There's a place where you can submit an information request card and a digital card so that you can get more information you can apply there. If you'd like to do any of those things or you just want more information, come see us after the service. We'll be around and we'd love to talk to you. Uh, We also want to invite you to visit ecworship.org where you can see more stuff about the students and what we're doing as a part of our ministry teams. All right, so I'm going to ask you, if you would, to stand with me as we go into the word of the Lord this morning. I believe that God has a word for us today, and I say us because I mean me too. Me too. Uh, I just believe that the Lord has been speaking, and I'll tell you, um, a lot of what you're going to hear this morning has just been coming out of some time that I've spent just reading my Bible and in prayer and in experiencing what I believe is a a word from God for this season of my life in, in leadership and in working with our students uh, I'm heavy burdened. I'm just going to be honest with you. I didn't say this to the first service. Y'all are going to get what I didn't say to them. (laughs) But I'm just going to tell you, my heart is heavy for this generation to have young men and young women who will answer the call to go where God is calling them to go. And I I don't just mean geographically. I mean spiritually. I mean, sitting right there in your pew, standing there right where you are, there's a place where God is calling you to go in him. And somebody has to answer that call. And not everybody is answering the call. Not everybody's there. Not everybody's ready to go there. But I believe that God is just drawing us to himself in new ways, in fresh ways. And so I want to invite you to turn to the book of Exodus chapter 19 Exodus chapter 19. If you have your Bibles uh, or your app or whatever, I love a good Bible. I love to hear the pages of a Bible flip if you got that. But uh, I'm glad that we have technology that gives us the opportunity to read it together so that uh, if you can't find the book of Exodus, you can just find the book of Genesis and go one forward. And if you can't find the book of Genesis, we're just going to go ahead and have an altar call right now. (laughs) <laughs> so in Exodus chapter 19, I'm going to read just a little bit. Y'all just hang with me. And if you, if you need to sit down while I'm reading, you feel free to do so. Chapter 19, verse 1, the Bible says, On the first day of the third month after the Israelites left Egypt, on that very day they came to the desert of Sinai. After they set out from Rephidim, they entered the desert of Sinai, and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. Somebody say the mountain. Then Moses went up to God and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession." Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. So Moses went back and summoned the elders of the people and set before them all the words the Lord had commanded him to speak. The people all responded together, we will do everything the Lord has said. So Moses brought their answer back to the lord and the lord said to moses i am going to come to you in a dense cloud so that the people will hear me speaking with you and will always put their trust in you then moses told the lord what the people had said verse 25 way down says so moses went down to the people and told them moses was standing in between god and the people Chapter 24 says just a couple of verses here. The Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and stay here. The Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and stay here. And I will give you the tablets of stone with the law and commandments I have written for their instruction. Then Moses set out with Joshua his aid and Moses went up on the mountain of God He said to the elders, wait here for us until we come back to you and Aaron and her are with you and anyone involved in a dispute can go to them. And I think every pastor in the world would just love to say that too. If you don't like something, go find somebody else to tell. Don't come to me, Moses said. (laughs) If you have a dispute... Go see somebody else with all your issues. I'm just kidding. That's all right. When Moses went up on the mountain, the cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai. For six days, the cloud covered the mountain, and on the seventh day, the Lord called to Moses from within the cloud. To the Israelites, the glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire. Somebody say a consuming fire. You heard it sung about just a few minutes ago. Now you see where it happened, a consuming fire on top of the mountain, and then Moses entered the cloud. Would you just say that with me? Then Moses entered the cloud. As he went on up the mountain, and he stayed on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. I just have one simple question that I want to ask you this morning. Who will be a Moses? Father, I thank you for this opportunity to be in your house, gathered together with these beautiful people that have come into your presence this morning, and I ask you to speak to us in a way that we can receive. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to receive, minds to understand what it is that you have to say to us today, and don't let anything, any distraction or any other deterrent keep us from being able to enter in to this place that you're calling us to. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, we can't do it without you. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Several years ago, you may remember that Hurricane Harvey came through, and it, it affected many parts of Texas, and there in the Houston area of Texas, there, uh, there was a young man named Virgil Smith who was just 13 years old, and 13-year-old Virgil was staying up late. How, how many 13-year-olds do we have? Any 13-year-olds, 12-year-olds, 11-year-olds? Anybody wish you were still 13? 13. Wish you could go back and try again. Hit the reset button a few times. Virgil was 13 years old when Hurricane Harvey came through, and it was about 2 o'clock in the morning, and he was up, staying up late playing video games with his neighbor. Uh, Can I get a show of hands of how many of you have ever stayed up playing video games till 2 o'clock in the morning? Yeah. I know a couple 40-year-olds who were doing that too, not just 13-year-olds, right? And so Virgil's playing video games 2 o'clock in the morning with his neighbor when all of a sudden they become aware that water is coming into the first floor of their home and virgil runs downstairs and he Gets his mama, wakes her up, and says, Mama, you gotta see what's happening. And and so they just begin to spring into action. And Virgil notices that that across the street there are people who are starting to call out for help, and they're getting trapped in their homes and all through his neighborhood. So he goes and helps his friend's family to get safe. And then he remembers that he has an air mattress back at the house. So he goes back in, he pumps up the air mattress, and he gets out into the water on the air mattress. And And he rose through his whole neighborhood to save 17 people. 13-year-old Virgil Smith saving 17 people. A 13-year-old taking it upon himself to become responsible for the lives of 17 people people. Not everybody could do what Virgil did, but somebody had to step up to the plate and answer the call and go help the people who were in need. And when we see the picture, I love how the Bible describes what's happening here as Moses goes up on the mountain. When we see this picture, I just imagine that Moses is answering a call that not everyone can respond to. And Moses is the premier figure of the Old Testament. He is the primary figure. I know we have all kinds of characters in the Bible from Adam and Eve to Noah to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph. And we read about all of the patriarchs and all of the kings and all of the prophets. And then we get into the New Testament and and things begin to shift as Jesus comes onto the scene. But in the Old Testament, the Bible just gives... Moses a primary position because he's the one that God uses to give his covenant to his people. Moses is a primary figure of the Old Testament, and what we learn about Moses is the Bible describes him as the most humble man on the face of the earth. In fact, it goes so far as to say that he was more humble than anyone else on earth. And if you, if you really look into it, the reality is that Moses wrote that himself. <laughs> Can you imagine Moses sitting there writing down everything that God had done? There he's sitting in his tent, just the Holy Spirit's inspiring him to say, and he gets to that part. Now, Moses was more humble than, okay, God. <laughs> If you insist, <laughs> he was the most humble man on the face of the earth. There you go. The Bible describes that that there would be a prophet who would come who would be the person of Jesus, a prophet who would be like unto Moses, a prophet like Moses. That's how significant of a character Moses is. Moses did great things for God. And many times we uh, we use moses one really major foolish mistake and we sort of categorize him as a failure in some ways for his one mistake and if you know what it is you'll remember that he struck a rock that god told him to speak to and because of his disobedience god said moses you don't get to go into the promised land that you've been leading my people toward But I don't think we should give Moses such a hard time because uh, of all of the wonderful things that Moses did. But it seems just like our human nature to judge people because of one mistake that they have made and we never let them forget it for the rest of their lives. Is anybody hearing me this morning? I think we ought to learn how to give more grace and judge others. Uh, You know, they say that we judge others by... Um, their actions and we judge ourselves by our intentions maybe we could learn a little bit if we would just give people a little bit more grace moses shows us what it looks like to answer the call and and so when we come to the bible when we open up our bibles and we begin to read one of the natural things for us to do is to begin to ask the question where do we fit into the story Is there somewhere in this story that I'm reading that I fit? We're all looking for where we fit in the story of God and and wanting to to figure out what is it that God is doing in my life or through me because God is using all of us in his grand story that he's writing, amen? So we understand that and we come to the Bible and we begin to read. And many times as we read stories like this, we begin to, to put ourselves, in the position of a particular character in the scripture or in the text. And that is a good practice. However, sometimes I'm afraid that we put ourselves in the wrong character's position. So for example, when we read the story of Cain and Abel, how many of us would like to think that we're Abel? We're the victim. We're the one that keeps getting hurt. We're the one that people just keep keep bothering. When actually we're Cain. And we're the ones who are doing the hurting sometimes. We don't want to talk about that now. But we put ourselves in the position where we think we fit when actually the truth is sometimes we fit into a different category. Or when we think about David and Goliath and, and we, we see the story playing out with the Philistines on one side of the valley and the Israelites on the other, uh, we'd like to think that we're like like the young, soon-to-be King David and he's got his sling and his stone and he's gonna prove himself. We wanna be like David and slay the giants. But how many times are we just like that Israelite army over on the hillside shaking in our boots? scared to death, and hoping somebody else will go out and fight the giant instead of us. We put ourselves in the wrong category. We, we take on the character of someone that we really are not. We, we're all looking for where we fit in to God's story. And so when we come to this account of Moses, I think it would be all right for us to just come to the reality that while we would like to think that we are like Moses, that the, the truth is many of us are much like the people who stay at the foot of the mountain. Moses goes up. Moses is called to the top of the mountain, and everybody else is stuck at the foot because they don't have access. They don't have what it takes. They haven't done what it takes to have access to that most intimate moment of going in to the cloud of God's glory, to go in to the presence of God. And, and so I'm almost afraid that many of us, if, if we think we're like Moses, we realize we're not really the Moses. Even in our best efforts, many of us end up like Aaron, that we, we, we go part of the way and then we get sucked back into what the people want. The pressures of life come on us, and then we bend and we bow and we break to the pressure of other people. When they built the golden calf, Moses was coming back down, and he said, what's going on? And Aaron said, it's their fault. Good intentions that we have for how we want to serve God. But if I could just for a moment say to you today, somebody has to be a Moses. Who will be a Moses? Somebody has to be a Moses. Many many of us... Would face the same challenge that the people at the foot of the mountain faced when they looked up at the mountain of God and they saw the fire, the consuming fire, they saw the cloud of the smoke that was billowing off of the off of the top of the mountain. They they saw the lightning and they heard the thunder and, and they were fearful. They weren't brave to go into that place where God was calling Moses to go. Now, they, they didn't have what it took to go into that place. Moses was the one who would go into the presence of God. I imagine it must have been something like the storm that came through last night. And so we were here setting up and I went out and stood under the awning and was just watching as that storm was moving across the sky. And I just thought, I wonder what it would have been like. For those Israelites at the foot of the mountain to look up and to see that dark cloud and to know that God has come down and they're afraid to go to where God is. What would it take for them to get to that same place where Moses has been called to go? Do you have people in your life who inspire you to be more like Jesus? you ever had somebody in your life who just they were just one of those prayer warriors I remember growing up when whenever you'd have a certain kind of prayer need there were those uh, those saintly mothers in the church who knew how to get in touch with heaven and they knew how to pray through and if you had a prayer need and you had something going on in your life and you wanted to get in touch with God you might have been praying for six months and didn't get an answer but if you went to sister Stanley and you said sister I need you to help me pray I need I've got a need and I believe that you can Help me just bind our faith together as we call on God. And for some reason, after you've prayed for six months, they pray for six minutes and God begins to move. They just have access to a place in God that we're trying to get to. God puts those kinds of people in our lives to challenge us to become that kind of person for somebody else. Many of us settle for saying, I'm just not that way. Why not? Why can't we be that kind of person that perhaps God isn't just calling to Moses. He's calling to all of us and saying, why don't you come up and meet me on the mountain? Why won't you come to this place? See, I believe that a lot of people want to be close to God. Why would you show up at church on a Sunday morning if you didn't want to be close to God? I don't know any Christians who would show up to church on Sunday morning. You got up this morning, you you rolled out of bed, you took your shower, you brushed your teeth, I hope, put on deodorant, fixed your hair, got ready to go, putting on your Sunday best. And for those who are watching online, they could be doing anything else. You could be watching Netflix or YouTube TV or anything you wanted to do. You could be out at the lake right now. and, And if not, for the fact that you want to be where God is. There's something inside of all of us that says, I want to be where God is going to meet me. And yet there are these things in our lives that tend to get in the way. There are these issues that tend to show up that keep us at the foot of the mountain. The issues that come up every day, the frustration the anger, the pressure of life, the stress that we have to feel and it puts us in a position where we, we miss the opportunity to access that place in God's presence. For some of us, sometimes it might be something just like justifying that bad attitude that you had last night and that keeps you from being able to go to that place. We, we want to be close to God, but we also want to justify the things that we do that keep us from getting close to God. I wish I could get just a little bit of help in just somebody, anybody, anybody. Every time we have an opportunity to grow closer to the Lord, he's calling us to that place, and yet anytime time there's something that shows up that keeps us out, We want to excuse it and dismiss it and act as if that's just the way it's always been and that's the way it's always gonna be. I've been like this my whole life and I ain't about to change for anybody now. But what would it take for you to be able to scale the mountain to get to where God is? Because you can't take all that baggage with you up the mountain. You're gonna have to drop some things off if you wanna go to where God is calling you to go we all want to be close to God, but we also want to be walking the line in closeness with the things of this world. John says, love not the world, neither the things of this world. Sometimes we want to have our cake and eat it too. Anybody like cake? Yeah. We love to have, just have it both ways, right? How close can I get to God without having to give up the things that I enjoy? How close can I get to God without having to give up that show? I'm almost finished binge watching on Netflix. Anybody hear me? How close can I get to God without having to change the radio station or turn it off? How close can I get to God without having to to put some relationships in my life on the side so that I can dig into what God wants me to do and to dig into my relationship with him? we want to have it both ways and I think that's where we struggle because there are things that you're going to have to relinquish and things that you're going to have to let go of that are dear to you God is not going to ask you to give up something that you don't want to give up I know this is heavy for a Sunday morning this should have come on a Friday night and the people who just really want to get smacked over the head with the Bible show up you know what I'm saying God is not asking you to give up something that you're gonna just be fine without. If it wasn't valuable to you, he wouldn't ask you for it. Ask Abraham. What are you willing to give up to get in to his presence? For some of us, it's our popularity. For some of us, it's our Our money. We hold on to things that keep us at the foot of the mountain. Social status. What will people think if I endorse this group over here? If I make a statement somebody's going to disagree with, I don't want anybody to get upset. I don't want to be offensive. I don't want to be offensive either, but the gospel does tend to have a way of offending people. For some of us, it's our sense of stability and safety and security that we'd rather stay at the foot of the mountain because it's a lot safer down there. If, if I'm not in the right place and I haven't been set apart, consecrated, separated from the world and, and to God, then I don't have access to the top of the mountain. I'd rather just stay right here and let Moses go. Just, just let him do it. Let him go be with God and we'll stay right here. What is it that keeps us at the foot of the mountain? Those things that we're called to distance ourselves from and to separate ourselves from, those are the things that I believe God is calling us to identify in our lives today. I want you to think about that. What is it in your life that might be keeping you from having access to that most intimate, holy place with God? Moses knew what it was like to have to be different and separated from everybody else. And he knew what it was like to give up the familiarity and the security and the stability of being with people that he was comfortable with. If if you know the story, then you'll know that Moses was born at a time when Pharaoh was having all of the young infant boys killed. And Moses was preserved by his mother who hid him and was able to preserve his life by building a basket and she put him in the basket into the river and he floated up the river and Pharaoh's own daughter caught him while she was down at taking a bath. She brought in Moses, which is why his name means drawn out of the water. He was drawn out and he's raised in a home that is not like the one that he would have been raised in if he had stayed with his biological family. He was a Hebrew. He was born into the Israelite clan and he was born to be a servant and a slave in Egypt, yet his mother sent him out so he is now raised Raised as a Hebrew within the Pharaoh household. He's already in a place where he doesn't belong. He's already separated from what's familiar to him, what would have been familiar to him. And then as he's raised in Pharaoh's home in the Egyptian culture, he comes to realize that he's not like everybody else that he lives with. And the Bible says that he recognized the poor treatment of his own people the hebrew slaves and so one day he avenges a, a, a slave who's being beaten by murdering the man who beat the slave and so these other hebrew slaves see him the next day and they say moses have you come to do the same thing to us that you did to the other guy And so now he doesn't fit in with his Hebrew culture, nor does he fit in with his Egyptian culture because Pharaoh's going to have his head for murdering the guy. So Moses runs away to find a place where he can be safe, where he can be settled, where he can be secure. And so he meets this woman who becomes his wife and he actually has a son And he names his son a name which means I have become a foreigner in a foreign land. Think about naming your son, your firstborn, a name which means I don't fit in here. I don't belong here. These aren't my people. This isn't my place. And Moses spends 40 years in this place where he doesn't fit. He spent his whole life in places where he doesn't belong. How many of you know what it feels like to just not belong? It doesn't feel good, does it? Nobody likes to walk into a room where they don't belong. Am I in the wrong place? You ever felt that way? You go into the break room at work and people just kind of side-eye at you. You walk into the classroom and nobody speaks to you. You're in a place where you feel like you don't belong. Moses knew what it felt like to be in a place where he didn't belong. He knew what it felt like to be different from everybody else. And he knew what it was like to be a foreigner in a foreign place. And I think some of us need to get used to that feeling as well. Foreigners in a foreign place because you haven't been called to be like everybody else that you're around every day. Too often we want to be like everybody else. We like the idea of fitting in. We want to be different enough to have our own identity but we also don't want to be so different that people don't accept us. And so we try to be just enough like the crowd so that they'll accept us but different enough to where it doesn't look like we're a copycat of somebody else's personality. And Moses knew what it was like to be different. He's a foreigner in a foreign place, and he shows up here, and it is in this foreign place where he encounters God. There on the mountain at Horeb, Moses is keeping sheep, and as a shepherd, he's following the sheep, and he ends up there on the mountain of Horeb, and he notices the bush that's on fire. Now, we know this story. For those of you who grew up in Sunday school like I did, you've heard, preaching, you you will know this story, that Moses sees the burning bush, but it's not the fact that it's on fire that was so strange, it's the fact that it was on fire, but it was not consumed, it it didn't disintegrate because it was on fire, and he notices there's something different about that bush, so he goes to it, and, and it's there in that place that God speaks to him, and he says, Moses, take your shoes off, you're on holy ground. There at that mountain, God calls Moses to be holy, set apart, consecrated, separated, sanctified. We don't use some of those words very much anymore in church. But I think somebody in this room, I want you to hear this today. Somebody in here needs to know that it's okay for you to be different from everybody else. God hasn't called you to be like everybody else. You think you got to fit in by keeping up with your Snapchat streak and everything everybody else is doing, got to listen to the same music, got to go to the same places. Everybody else is doing it. Why can't I? And sometimes the very reason that everybody else is doing it is the reason why you shouldn't be doing it. God calls Moses and he speaks to him out of the fire and he says, Moses, take your shoes off. You're on holy ground. Moses was set apart for a purpose. And that's what God wanted to do with his people when he brought them to that mountain. Because you see, after Moses went to Egypt and he spoke to Pharaoh, and after the ten plagues, and after all the signs that God performed, and and then after the people crossed over the Red Sea on dry ground, and after they came to the place where they worshipped and they praised God for what he had done, and then God sends them manna in the morning and quail in the evening, and he gives them clean water to drink, and they defeat the Amalekites in chapter 17. God does great things. And he proves to them, I will be your provider and I will be your protector. And then he brings them to this mountain and he says, now I want you to enter into a covenant with me where you will become a kingdom of priests, a set apart group of people, kingdom of priests unto God and a holy nation. Holy meaning different from every set apart for a sacred purpose. For a spiritual cause, that's what he has called you and me to. It was that same mountain where Moses had come the first time as a foreigner. But when he came back to it the second time, it was a familiar place. And I just imagine as Moses is coming up on this place, the first time it was called Mount Horeb, but the second time it's called Mount Sinai, it's the same geographic place, Moses is beginning to notice the lay of the land looks very familiar. I'm a she- I've am been a shepherd out here before, I I, I know this land pretty well, I, I mean some of you know what it's like, you've got a lot of property, you go out, you, you know, that I've been here before, This is, this is familiar to me, that place where Moses had been a foreigner in a foreign land became the place where he would be the most familiar, the place where he would encounter the presence of God. And the first time Moses was there at Mount Horeb, God called him from a bush that was on fire. But now that God has brought him back to this same mountain, God is calling him from the whole mountain that is on fire. And God speaks to Moses and says, come up here to me. Come up this mountain. This mountain, the place of Mount Sinai, was a mountain that was called the Mountain of God. It's the only mountain in the whole Bible that's called the Mountain of God. No other mountain in all of Scripture, not Mount Carmel, not Mount Tabor, not Mount Gerizim, not even Mount Calvary, but it's here at Mount Sinai that the Bible says this was the mountain of God that Moses is called to. And I just believe that God is calling you and me like he called the children of Israel to come to a place where we can be set apart, to come to this mountain that, where he is inviting us to a higher place. What would it take for us to get to that place where we can go in and enter the presence of God and experience the glory of God? What is it that God is calling you to lay down so that you can walk up the mountain? It's this place where you can have an experience where God changes everything in your life. The people were invited to come to the foot of the mountain, but not everybody can go up the mountain. It was Moses who went up the mountain and entered in. And my question for you today is, are you willing to do what it takes to become like a Moses? Are you willing to do what it takes to be the kind of person who is willing to lay down whatever I have to lay down to give up whatever I have to give up, my familiarity, my popularity, my social status, whatever I have to do, whatever I have to lay down in order to be able to access the presence of God. Somebody has to be a Moses. Not everybody can be a Moses. I know sometimes the people sitting beside you may not be able to be a Moses. The the people that you go to work with may not all be able to become like a Moses. Maybe the people that you go to school with can't be like a Moses. You can't expect everybody else to be like a Moses, but I just believe that somebody needs to stand up on their own two feet, throw their hands up toward heaven and say, God, if you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. And I don't know about you, but I want to be that kind of person that God can use in powerful ways. But you can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't live like you want to and still be used by God. You can't do what everybody else is doing and still have access to that holy place. I know this isn't popular preaching nowadays. And I know that we think we need more messages like this. And so I'm not here to try to cater or pander to any kind of party or, or to any kind of group or any kind of idea theology, I'm just here to tell you today that in the year 2021, I believe it's time for some people of God to quit just warming pews in churches and start becoming like a Moses who gets into the presence of God and comes out with a word from God and delivers it to the people. Moses went up the mountain. He got into the cloud. He experienced the glory of God. And when he came out, he came down the mountain with a word from the Lord. And too many of us are trying to live our Christian lives by just patty cake religion. And we read a couple verses and we get the verse of the day. And we try to live our whole day on just one little verse of scripture when we cannot live by bread alone but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. We need more of God in our lives and if we're going to have more of him, he's got to have more of us. We can't be full of the Holy Spirit and ourselves. We've got to lay some things down to go up the mountain. What are you willing to give up to get in? I'm going to invite the team to come back up here as we get ready to close. I watched a documentary recently on this college admission scandal some of you may remember from a couple years ago. And there's this guy named Rick Singer who was helping high school students get into colleges where they wanted to go to college. Popular people, wealthy people. And apparently... It doesn't necessarily work this way at Emmanuel. I can I can guarantee you that. But, But the way that it's done is there's a front door to get into college. There's a back door, and Rick had come up with a side door option. So the front door is you just apply like everybody else, and maybe you get in, maybe you don't. But you just apply, test scores, GPA, all of the above. And then there's the back door where let's say you have wealthy parents and your parents give a donation, big hefty donation to the institution and maybe maybe you'll get a, a wink or a nod and you can get in. And then there was this side door option that he gave to people. This was how he ran his business where he would say, okay, so if you will pay me then I will do what it takes to get you into the institution of your choice. And so he was doing this for all kinds of people and all of a sudden, uh, this one person, this one daddy said, okay, what is it gonna take for me to get my child into that institution? And Rick said back to him and it just struck me so strongly when I heard this. He said, what are you willing to give to get in?" And I thought about Moses. And I thought about how Moses had to be the kind of person who was set apart. He didn't have a place where he fit in. Moses probably wanted to be, I mean, there had to have been times when he wanted to be popular and, and accepted and wanted everybody to like him just like you and I do. Nobody wants to be unliked. But we've got to become familiar with being a foreigner so that we can be the kind of person that God can speak to and that we can hear His voice to get alone with Him. Many of us, for many of us, it's been a long time since we've been alone with God. We're trying to live out our daily lives be the person God's called us to be but with all the pressure and all the stress in our lives we we can't be that person unless we get alone with God Jesus got alone with God in fact the Bible tells us this story of how Jesus went up onto the mountain of transfiguration you remember the story Jesus is there with Peter James and John and the Bible tells us that there in that moment, Jesus was transfigured. His clothes became white, more white than any other white that you could, I mean, the best kind of Clorox you can ever imagine. Peter, James, and John are there. And all of a sudden, they see Moses and Elijah show up on that same mountain. And Moses and Elijah knew what it was like to have a mountaintop experience with God. Elijah had a showdown with the prophets of Baal and God sent down fire from heaven there in that moment. Elijah knew what it was like to see God come down like fire on top of a mountain. And then Moses was there and we've heard the story today. Moses knew what it was like to see the fire of God come down on top of the mountain. And there is Jesus and the Bible says that Peter asked Jesus, why don't we just build three tabernacles and we can all just stay right here? We don't have to go anywhere. We can all just stay right here. And isn't that what so many of us like to do? If you're just a real churchy person, you just, I just want to stay right here and soak in the glory for a while. But I want you to understand this morning that the reason that you go up the mountain is so that you can come back down what do you mean by that Trey that don't make any sense because you can't have what the people need from you if you don't go up to the mountain of God and get in his glory and get in his presence to have access to the kind of power that the people need when you come back down because the cloud descended there on the mount of transfiguration God's glory showed up but in the very next passage after Peter oh man can't we just stay here can't we just get in the glory and just just hover here for a while And in the next moment, they walk back down into the city and there's this demon-possessed boy just throwing himself on the ground, trying to beat himself up. He's running into the fire, trying to burn himself. He's running into the water, trying to drown himself. And his parents come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, can you help us? We went to your other disciples and they couldn't do anything for us, but we knew if we came to you, we could get what we really needed. Jesus knew what it was like to get up on the mountain and I'm telling you today we've got to do like Jesus but not just to stay there not just to hang out not just to come to church and have a great service and then go back what we need is some people who will come into the presence of God and who will have access to that most intimate holy place not so we can just be holy and legalistic and better than everybody else but because there are people down in the city who have something that we can offer them only if we've been in that place ourselves with God how many of you want that for your life I mean just really want that for your life I want to be the kind of person that God can use to do powerful things if you want God to use you somebody has to be a Moses who will be a Moses I understand uh, everybody can't be that Moses but somebody has to be a Moses who's going to go back to your school and be a Moses who's going to walk into your school and just love people care for people but tell them listen I believe God wants to do something in your life who's going to walk into the office tomorrow and be a Moses somebody has to be a Moses Would you stand this morning? What are you willing to give up to get in, to get to that place? Some of you have family situations right now that you need an answer you need God to do something in your family you feel like things are just about to break loose and if God doesn't move now it's going to get ugly you need God to do something in your marriage you've been asking for an answer you've been praying that the Lord would do something and and what you really need to do is quit trying to just reason everything out and talking people into stuff and and you just need to get into the presence of God and let him do his work and when you come out of his presence you'll have a word from the Lord if you're willing to do what it takes and just say you know what I'm willing to do whatever I have to do I'm going to give up whatever I have to give up in order to get in would you just step out from where you are I want you to just throw your hands up and walk down to this altar right now and say God whatever I have to give up to get in I'm laying it down right now I'm going to build an altar here I'm going to sacrifice consume every part of me everything that doesn't belong everything that's holding me back everything that would keep if it's my pride if it's my self image if it's my own ambition ambition if it's my ego if it's all the dreams that i thought i had for myself and i have to give up serving you in some place of popularity in order to serve you in obscurity okay god i'll give up what i have to give up in order to get in come on if you want god to use you like that you can't have it the easy way we can't have it the easy way We want it the easy way, but we can't have it the easy way. God wants to use you. God wants you to be set apart. He's called you to be a holy nation. But I can't be like everybody else. I can't do what everybody else does. I can't go where they go. I can't talk the way they talk. I can't watch what they watch. I can't sing or listen to what they listen to and still have power and access to the most intimate holy place with God. What we need is a church that's gotten into the holy place with God and comes out on fire for God. Consuming firefall. Fill us up, Holy Ghost, so that the world will see the love that you have for them demonstrated through us. Come on, just open up your mouth and give it to the Lord today. Open up your mouth and say, God, I give you everything, everything you want. Just search me. Try me. Test me. See if there's anything on the inside of me that doesn't belong there. I give it to you today. I lay it down. God, break my heart for the things that break your heart. Break me of my pride. Break me of my judgmental spirit. Always got to be critical about something. God, break it over me. I'm tired of myself. I need you to come in and make me like Jesus. Come on and just let the Lord do what he wants to do for a few moments.